Coming to you via the internet and your friends at PipesMagazine.com, it's the Pipes Magazine radio show. The show that is so bad if it was a boat instead of champagne, it'd be christened with an old bottle of Listerine. Now, I invite you to sit back, relax, the smoking lamp is lit. Here's your host, Brian Levine. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It is the Pipes Magazine radio show. Yes, they sometimes are irreverent, sometimes educational, but always entertaining weekly pipe smoking broadcast on a special Monday night edition for International Pipe Smoking Day 2017. Hope you all have had a chance to uh, sit down with your pipe, relax, and celebrate with uh, IPSD 2017. Uh, we did move the show up one day, just so that you, uh, if you didn't get a chance yet, now is a perfect chance to pick out your favorite pipe, fill it with your favorite tobacco, grab yourself a uh, companion drink, and uh, sit back and listen to tonight's special edition show. Uh, what is also special about tonight's show is, it's just going to be me and my guest, Shane Ireland. Uh, no pipe parts got a lot to go over with Shane. We're glad to have him. Shane's the uh, pipe manager at uh, smokingpipes.com and gets to buy and touch and feel a whole bunch of pipes. So we'll have him on for the entire show. Uh, then at the end, a little bit of music, a little throwback, one of my favorite songs, and rant time. All that coming up on uh, tonight's episode of the Pipes Magazine radio show. Um, hey, I forgot to mention it last week, but uh, two Saturdays ago, I did another Facebook Live thing. If you go onto my Facebook page, you'll see it right there under videos. It's about 45, 50 minutes of uh, talking about some of my favorite pipes and why I like them. So do go check that out. Uh, maybe we'll put a link to it down here on the page, too, so you can go directly there. Um other than that, really uh, not much going on. I'm just getting ready for vacation, so next week's show will be 100% pre-recorded. You won't have me here live, because I'll be down at uh, Walt Disney World, hanging out with uh, Mickey Mouse for a little bit more than a week. Uh, check in on Facebook, and I'll try to poke my nose up with a pipe somewhere in uh, at the parks and let you know how everything's going. All right, let's get the party rolling. International Pipe Smoking Day 2017. Everybody sit back, relax, fire up a bowl. Thank you all for tuning in. Thank you to the Sutliff Tobacco Company, and here we go. Italians have always been known for their aesthetic passion. It's their birthright, their legacy. And just like Savinelli, it continues to grow and evolve. It is ever-changing. Milan, 1876. Achilles Savinelli set out to change the way the world viewed smoking pipes, opening one of the world's first specialist tobacco shops. From one small storefront to a factory that delivered handmade pipes all over the world, the legacy he forged became one filled with success and prestige. Achilles' dream is carried on today by his family, who continues the Savinelli legacy. Each year, Savinelli debuts a series of new, forward-thinking designs comprised of quality-crafted pipes shaped from some of the best briar in the world. Behind every beautiful object, there's a story. Start your own chapter. Visit your local tobacconist or premium online dealer today.
Welcome back to the special Monday edition of the Pipes Magazine radio show, special for Monday, because today is International Pipe Smoking Day, and my uh, my guest slash co-host slash uh, cohort partner is probably got the coolest job of anybody I've ever had on the show. Uh, he's also probably somebody that you've cursed his name when you've seen an update go by and you wanted that pipe. And anyway, uh, my guest is Shane Ireland and Shane, tell us exactly your job title. Uh, I am smokingpipes.com's, uh, pipe manager, which is a, a way of saying the pipe purchaser for the website. So it's fair to say that uh, you have been involved. You're involved in every pipe that goes up on the website somehow, some way. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, my department is responsible for uh, receiving all of the pipes and uh, measuring them um, because, of course, you have to know exactly what you're getting when you buy a pipe from SmokingPipes.com. Uh, and uh, I do purchase uh, all of the pipes for the website. All right, so let's figure this out. Um, where did you grow up and when did you start smoking a pipe? Um, I grew up uh, in uh, Chula Vista, California, which is a uh, suburb in southern San Diego. And um, I lived there my entire life until I relocated to South Carolina to work for Smoking Pipes. Um, and, it, you know, I guess somewhat of a cliche, but my grandfather smoked a pipe. And when I was <laughs> a kid, uh, like a little kid, I would always sneak into his office and uh, play around with his pipes. In fact, you know, when I got much older and I, I decided to smoke a pipe myself, I realized that he wasn't smoking his pipes anymore, and I was really excited about the idea of, of getting my grandfather's pipes and, and, you know, putting them to use and bringing them back to life, only to discover that a lot of them had been damaged. <laughs> and uh, when I asked him about it, apparently that was me when I was a kid, you know, breaking the stems, and he would, you know, put them back together for aesthetic purposes to have them sitting on the shelf, but there were very few that were still in working order after I had gotten my hands on them when I was a kid. <laughs> so your first experience with pipes was destroying them? Pretty much, yeah, pretty much. And I'm not quite sure why I was drawn to them. I just was. I, I loved them, and he kept a, a jar of uh, Prince Albert on his desk, too. And I would go in there and, like, stick my nose in the jar a couple times a day and love the way it smelled and, you know, really admired him as well, of course. And, uh you know, it was actually immediately when I turned 18, um, I went to, it was like my, my highest priority. Uh, I went to Racine and Laramie in San Diego, California, and bought my first pipe. And <laughs> kind of never looked back. Uh, did you, um, Before you went and bought your first pipe, did you do some research on what you wanted? Or uh, did you just say, all right, I got money, I'm going down to the shop, and I'm going to buy one? You know, it was it was definitely the latter. I, I didn't think about researching pipes because in my mind, um, I guess the sort of traditional, like, antiquity of the whole thing as a hobby, um, I knew that I wanted to go and buy, buy from a shop. And I, I had known about Racing and Laramie as a shop because they're in Old Town San Diego. They're, they're like a sort of an iconic storefront in Old Town San Diego. And um, that's, that's what I wanted to do. It didn't even occur to me. Uh, to do any research on the subject, I just walked in the store and, and asked the guys for help. <laughs> uh, you, so the so they helped you pick out a pipe. Did you uh, uh, did you start out with some aromatic pipe tobaccos? 
You know, I did, but it was it was really short lived. So what happened was my first pipe was was a basket pipe because of course I, I wasn't looking to spend too much money right away. Um, yeah. And I was more interested in the tobaccos. They had this big, beautiful lineup of big jars full of tobaccos, all their all their house blends. And that was much more interesting to me than, like, the various styles of pipes initially. So I got a pipe, and I picked out a couple of tobaccos. And um, the first ones that I picked out were, were aromatic because they smelled great in the jar. And, uh, you know, I had already smoked cigarettes, and I, I had a taste for, for what tobacco should taste like. So I smelled these sweet blends, and I thought, oh, that's great. And I went and I smoked one of them um, and thought, you know, there's not a lot of – it wasn't as much flavor and strength as I was looking for. Like, the aroma was great, but it was, it was just something about it that didn't, that didn't really do it for me. So I went back to the shop, like, immediately and uh, kind of behind the counter and away from the public, I guess, they had a stash of, like, maybe – you know, three to five other blends. And I quickly realized that that's where, like, the good stuff was. Uh, um, <laughs> and, and what I ended up getting was a house blend of theirs that is a, a burly base with Latakia, with, with a good uh, portion of Latakia. And it was called um, uh, Burly English. And that is actually the only pipe tobacco that I smoked for the first three, three and a half years that I was smoking a pipe. So how long before you bought your second pipe? How long before the, oh, it was not long at all. Um, I had the basket pipe, and uh, I quickly realized that I kind of needed, um, you know, maybe one or two extras, you know, in the rotation. And I went back to the store, uh, let's say six months later, and I was buying my typical eight ounces of Burley English and ended up on a whim purchasing a uh, Peterson System uh, Rustic 03 with a P-Rep, and that was like my first really nice pipe. And I was so excited about it and so in love with it and, you know, spent every night, you know, out on the porch figuring out how to smoke it properly. And, and you know, there's, there's still like a uh, quite a bit of a learning curve there in the first, you know, year or two that you're smoking a pipe. So uh, that was it. And then, you know, from there, I would go back to the same shop, pick up my tobacco, and eventually uh, I noticed all the tins, all the tin tobacco behind the counter. And uh, one of the guys there, uh, Joe, actually, he was telling me that, I should try uh, McBaron Matured Virginia, HH Matured Virginia. So I got a tin of that, and I also got a tin of Frog Morton. And then that kind of set me on the course of, like, trying every tobacco that I could possibly get my hands on. <laughs> you know, I had a handful of pipes at that point, and uh, I just went nuts and started, you know, every Friday after work, heading over to the shop and grabbing a new tin or so. Yeah, now, and and I, you mentioned that the first, you know, first quality pipe that you bought or the first pricier pipe was a peterson um i'm assuming with the last name of ireland your family's um asian and uh and uh south american ancestry <laughs> well actually yes i have i have absolutely no irish blood in me uh, <laughs> my mother is Sicilian and my father is mexican so it's it's just a name and uh i gotta say that i didn't really make the connection when i was looking at the peterson i just liked the style of it it was like chubby and compact and i will say that the guy in the shop who sold me the pipe um you know i guess back in the day it was like a common thing to to match the shape of your pipe to the shape of your face <laughs> so apparently I had the face of a chubby rusticated apple and that's that's how I ended up with that pipe. <laughs> you you looked like a uh, you looked like a a, a bespeckled uh, fat Irish guy. Yeah, apparently. 
apparently. apparently. So, <laughs> yeah. and, and you know, I kind of, I'm kind of stuck to that. Really, a lot of my pipes are, you know, uh, fuller, compact numbers, and I, I don't know, it worked, I guess. Yeah. So not only was it an insult, it was correct too. Yeah, yeah, I wasn't even mad about it. I said, okay, that makes sense, and and I like the style of the pipe, and I wanted a bent pipe. Um, I, I don't know why, but to me at the time, sort of the you know archetype for like a pipe design was like a, a you know more of a Sherlock Holmes thing, um, and uh, and that's what that's what I wanted. I wanted a bent pipe, and I loved the style of it. And he showed me how the stem came apart, and it had the military mount, so there was like less risk of you know, having problems when you disassembled the pipe and, and a lot of, a lot of it made sense to me. And, uh, and I, I bought it and I loved it. That's a perfect place for us to take a break. When we come back, we'll have uh, much, much more with Shane. So stay with us. We'll be back in just a minute. This is internet radio. Craftsmanship, history, tradition, These are the hallmarks of all quality products. From the finest wines bottled in France to the most highly engineered automobiles manufactured in Germany, Denmark has been the one country in the world where craftsmanship, history and tradition have for centuries created the finest pipe tobaccos in the world. Since 1887, the Halberg family have led the pipe tobacco industry through their ownership of Mac Baron Tobacco Company and they continue to create the most sought-after blends in the world today, just as they did over 100 years ago. In keeping with their long history of providing the world with the best tobacco on earth, Mac Barron is proud to announce their newest creation, Modern Virginia, as a loose cut version and a flake version. Bright and dark, rich Virginia tobaccos have been combined with just a hint of burley for strength in this soft and smooth smoke with delicious fruit undertones. As the world leader in flake tobacco production, Mac Barron is sure that this blend will appeal to the true connoisseurs of traditional Virginia flake tobacco, as well as those who like their tobaccos on the sweeter side. Enjoy the culmination of centuries of experience by picking up a tin of Modern Virginia from Mac Barron Tobacco Company. Available at fine tobacconists everywhere. We are back on International Pipe Smoking Day, hanging out with, uh, I, I won't call you chubby, um, with a stout <laughs> Shane Ireland from uh, smokingpipes.com. Uh, Shane, when you were, so you're 18, 19, and you're figuring out pipes and diving into them, so it was uh, not that long ago for you, because you're not as old as I am, um, but uh, what were you what were you doing for a living, or were you going to school, or is there a, a University of San Diego class in a bachelor's degree in pipe buying? No, no, there's not. Um yeah, for the record, it was it was ten years ago now, yeah. and uh, at the time I was um, I was working at a uh, a music shop, uh, an instrument shop. Um, I was the assistant manager, and I did some instrument repairs, and I was still playing music pretty actively in my spare time, uh, semi professionally, I guess you could say, um, not full time, but still paying gigs, and uh, that's what I did with a lot of my time back then. Um, and after that, I ended up working for a bank for a number of years, and. Uh, now I am working with pipes all the time, which is much, much more fun than working for a bank. <laughs> before you came to, uh, before you came to smoking pipes, what was kind of in your head? What was your price threshold for a pipe? Well, before I came to smoking pipes, I had already been attending uh, the West Coast Pipe Show and the Chicago Pipe Show for a couple of years. And uh, anybody that's been to those shows can tell you that 
it doesn't take long for your price threshold to climb. <laughs> and um, I, I, yeah, so so by the time I came to Smoking Pipes, I already I was already collecting um, quite a few handmade artisanal pipes from the American guys. Um, you know, I had a number of Jay Allen pipes at that time. Oh. Uh, I had already been collecting Brad Coleman's pipes and a few other Danish guys, Elting, obviously, and, and, a, and a couple others. So for me, it, it was probably somewhere in that, you know, 400 to to $1,000 price range. And um, at the time, I was buying fewer pipes, but, you know, treating myself uh, when I did make a new pipe purchase. Um <laughs> and, and and again, I mean, even even working in the industry now, um, I am I am primarily a collector, and I think secondarily a smoker. So that, those those two things have always been true, and I think that'll never change. And uh, I just you know you, you get the bug, and you end up you end up changing what you're looking for all the time, and you know you you, you know as well as I do, Brian, that it's, it's never enough, right? There's always something else you have your eye on. I, I have never been in Chicago at the pipe show and gone and donated blood platelets late at night to buy the pipe the next morning. <laughs> I've thought about it, but I've never done that. Um, so, sure, sure. so you got you got the bug pretty quickly on on collecting and finding out about these you know about these American carvers and learning about them. What was the first one that you got? What was it that you noticed that was different about it than any other than your previous pipes? Well, you know, I mean, there was there was a pretty. I was accustomed to uh, repairing musical instruments and appreciating um, high quality musical instruments, and it's always those little tiny details. Um, I, I've always used sort of sort of the analogy that you know you can buy a bottle of scotch for twenty bucks, and it it may not be very good. And then you buy one for $50, and it is exponentially better. But at a certain point, you know, I, I wouldn't say necessarily diminishing returns, but it's the very, very small details that make up the difference between a great pipe and a phenomenal pipe. And I guess when I started purchasing um, some, some of the higher-end stuff, it was the things like the mouthpiece was exceptionally comfortable, the fit and finish were, were uh, superb, if not perfect, and um, I, I enjoyed them I enjoyed them for that reason. And, and there's, there's a time and a place for all kinds of different pipes. And my collection is still very, very, I guess, broad. Um, and, uh, and yeah, I, I, it, was, it, was, it was the beauty of them, the designs, and they were sort of these kind of designs that you couldn't really find in other places. And, uh, and, and just the craftsmanship and the quality and uh, the collecting of it. I mean, I guess at a certain point, too, it's also the art collector mentality where you know you can get you can get a billiard from plenty of people, but there's a particular style of billiard that you may be drawn to, and it's one person who makes that style, so that's why you choose to buy it from him. Yeah, so you you just you just got bit by the bug hard and uh, fell in like the rest of us. Oh yeah, absolutely. All right, so how do you how did you get a job at smoking pipes? I mean, you're in San Diego, which is uh, the opposite coast. And uh, what'd you do? Well, actually, it's, it's kind of funny. The, the answer to how I got a job at Smoking Pipes and the answer to how did I get into pipes in such a serious way is, is kind of like intertwined. I was living in San Diego. I was spending a lot of time hanging out at the local shops. Uh, there was a couple of them, like I said, Racing in Laramie, the other being um, Captain Hunt in Seaport Village. And I was spending a lot of time there. And one of the shop owners 
I went in one day and I uh, got a got a, a tin of tobacco, and I can't remember what year this was. It may have been 2009 or 2010. And uh, the guy told me, the guy working in the shop said, hey, you should come back later tonight. You know, we're having a pipe club get together. And uh, Sykes Wilford from Smoking Types is going to be here. And Jeff Grasick and Brad Pullman were also going to be there. And I had I had started reading, you know, Pipes Magazine and uh, P&T, rather, Pipes and Tobacco Magazine, and, like, doing some Internet research. So I was already familiar with Smoking Pipes. I was already already a customer, already familiar with Jeff Grasick's work and Brad Pullman's work. And I thought, oh, wow, they're just randomly in my town tonight. So I came out and I met those guys and uh, had a good time and chatted with them and smoked a, smoked a pipe and uh, realized that Jeff lived in San Diego. And um, over the course of the next couple of years, um, we, we uh, ended up being good friends and traveling to the pipe shows together. I spent a lot of time in his workshop. And every time that he would have guests in town, whether it was Sykes or Adam Davidson, you know, Steve Whiskey, Jared Coles, a lot of these guys that would come down to work in Jeff's shop, I would just kind of be hanging out because I was buying pipes from all of them and, you know, hanging out and going to the shows and we had all become friends. And then a couple of years of that went by and uh, Sykes was in town at Jeff's and it was pretty, pretty standard that I would see him there when he was in town. And uh, he just sort of asked me if, if I would be interested in relocating. And it had never really occurred to me before that, you know, I knew him and I had gone to the shows and I was a customer, but Leaving, leaving California wasn't something that I was really thinking about at the time. And uh, <laughs> yeah. we chatted about it for a few minutes, and a couple of weeks later I was on a plane to go interview. And did you walk right into the uh, pipe manager position? No, no. It, I think, and, and someone can correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure I still have the company record for most jobs uh, <laughs> in, in such a short period of time. Um, I was hired as a copywriter initially, um, and I spent some time in customer service, and then I spent some time as a sales uh, a sales um, person for our distribution group, and then I ended up as the pipe manager in early 2015, I believe is when that that my last sort of stop on the uh, job tour. <laughs> and you've stayed in that job now for uh, two years, so that's pretty good for you. Oh yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's get into the process of it. So, your I mean primarily your job is to place the orders and with the with the companies that supply them or with the pipe makers, correct? Correct. And there and there's and that includes uh, that includes uh that includes traveling to uh visiting factories and visiting workshops. Um so there's quite a bit of there's quite a bit of travel there as well. Yeah, and you and there's a couple of trade shows and a couple of pipe shows and then are you also involved in any kind of any kind of special projects that you guys might be working on with a factory? Oh yeah, um, I, I think Sykes and I work hand in hand in, in a lot of those cases. Uh, we travel together quite a bit too. Um, so yeah, definitely. When when it comes down to you know digging something digging something up at a factory and saying, oh man, this would be great. Let's let's roll with this. Um, I, I definitely have a hand in a lot of those projects. Um, and I also, you know, try to work as closely as possible with our marketing department, uh, mostly because, you know, there's there's things that there's information that I get from the factories or from the pipe makers that I need to pass on, or you know, wishes of theirs for, you know, hey, this pipe is special for this reason, and our copywriters need to know about that, that kind of thing. What What are some of the projects that you've done, or some of the things that you that you've been involved with that you can tell us about, and uh, what are the ones that you can't tell us about? 
Well, most recently, um, uh, we saw uh, the sort of uh, release of uh, amber stem spigots, the Peterson amber stem spigots, which were spigot pipes made with uh, vintage uh, uh, amber stems that were sourced in 1939, I believe it was. So that was something that Sykes and I worked on when we were last in Dublin at Peterson Factory with uh, Tom and Connor Palmer. Um, and then another recent one um, was an addition to the Rop Vintage line, uh, the Rop Vintage Stout. Um, that was when we were excited about these sort of really compact, chubby, turn-of-the-century kind of shapes that have one stem spins of them uh, made with vintage briar. Um, those, are, those are two of the most recent ones. And we're not, I mean, the, the Rop, if I remember right, those were in the 70 to $90 range? Uh, yeah, actually, I, the sandblasts were seventy, and the smooths were eighty dollars, I believe. So that's that's another fun thing about these pipes is that, you know, back in the day they would have been more of an everyman kind of pipe, and uh, they're they're absolutely functional, absolutely like charmingly retro and vintage. And um, I am grown to really love foreign stems myself. I find that they're like somewhere in between vulcanite and acrylic in terms of comfort. And they just look really cool, and there's a lot of variation there. Um, so I just I just love the fact that, that the rock line has become this place where we can showcase, you know, a lot of pipes from yesteryear at, like, a really great price point that makes it easy and a lot of fun to collect all of those shapes that are appealing. Because, frankly, I find them all very appealing, and I've ended up with, oh, gosh, probably about eight of them at this point in my own collection. <laughs> <laughs> All right, before we go to the next break, let's let's get this one out of the way because this is a question that I used to get often. Um, you are not allowed to sit there and cherry pick pipes when they come in for you yourself, correct? <laughs> correct, correct. No, I am not. Um, and, and that's fine, even though sometimes I do get a little... Uh, I don't know, <laughs> sore about that. Like, we get pipes in every once in a while, and I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, like, I would love this pipe for myself. And in those cases, what I typically do is I call the carver back up and say, you know, can you can you make another one of these? And I'll just, you know, that, that one's going to be for me. You know, I, I'll add that to my collection. Or, you know, when I see you in Chicago, if you have one, I'll grab it, that kind of a thing. Yeah, because otherwise, the I mean, the company's policy, if I remember it, is that the the pipe has to go up on the website before an employee can purchase it. But at the same time, you know, at the same time, I'm sure you have this other thing that you need like food and housing and, and clothing that, you know, you need to save some money for that too. Well, you know, I mean, uh, especially when I was younger, you know, I I would have, you know, these nice pipes and a, a buddy of mine, he would be aware of like what they would cost and, uh, once you get over the initial shock of, of pipes costing more than like fifty dollars, um, I would say, well, you know, I mean, this is this is my hobby, and I drive a '99 Saturn that's beat to hell, and you know, my <laughs> shoes cost fifteen dollars, but I have a really nice pipe, and uh, that makes me much more happy than those other things. So it's all about prioritizing, I think. So if you put seven pipes in a bag, it would, those seven pipes are worth more than your car. Absolutely. In fact, <laughs> I recently moved and I put all my pipes into a box and I was carrying that box when we were moving and I thought, oh my gosh, I, uh, I've got, I've got, I probably need to take out a pipe insurance policy here at some point. <laughs> all right. And admit to everybody, how many pipes do you actually own? 
I find it's a lot easier. And at this point, if my wife is listening, I would ask her to turn the volume down. But it, it, I find it, it's a lot easier to stop counting at a certain point. I don't think I have a crazy amount of pipes. But if I had to guess, it's probably somewhere around 60. Oh, that's nothing. You're just starting out. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you know how it is. Like, a couple come in, a couple go out, and that's, you know, that's just how it goes. But the collection that I have now, I'm really happy with. And it's, it's basically gotten to that point where everything that I have now is something that I would never be willing to part with. And uh, yeah. it's probably somewhere in the 60 to 75 range. I've been trying to thin out my collection a little bit to uh, send some into you guys, and I just can't find any that I really want to part with at this moment, but I may have to force myself. Uh, anyway, we're going to take another break here, and we'll come back with more International Pipe Smoking Day celebration with Shane Ireland, so stay with us. We'll be back in a minute. Smokingpipes.com has been my family's tradition for over 10 years. My granddad enjoys his evening pipe on the front porch. My father prefers his in the study, and well, me, I like to hang outside the local coffee shop with a pipe in one hand and my smartphone in the other. The best selection is at Smokingpipes.com. They always have the exact pipe I'm looking for. Savinelli, Peterson, Dunhill, and great stuff from dozens of top artisans around the world. Plus, they have over 70 tobacco brands with 750 blends to choose from. Lighters, campers, tobacco jars, yep, they have that too. But the best part about SmokingPipes.com is that it's easy to order from my computer, tablet, or even my smartphone. And if Granddad has trouble with technology, he can always call them at 1-888-366-0345. I heard that. Do you think I'm deaf? I'm the one who told you about SmokingPipes.com, and I had a smartphone before you. You kids today, blah, blah. SmokingPipes.com. Make it your family tradition. We are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show, visiting with uh, Shane Ireland, the pipe manager, pipe buyer of uh, SmokingPipes.com. And uh, so you, you also get to deal with the individual carvers and and getting pipes from them. Um, yeah. How how does that work? Do most of them just send you a certain amount of pipes every couple of months, or do you have a deal with them? Or you know why why is it that some pipes end up on your site and some pipes end up them selling them by themselves? Well, I mean, um, I think I think a lot of the independent carvers uh, they definitely have commission lists. Most of them have either commission lists or they sell pipes at the shows. Uh, to collectors who attend the shows, and then beyond that, I think I, I try to keep a, a pretty a pretty constant dialogue with them um, to to see what they're working on, and to maybe say, hey, you know, uh, out of these pieces that you have on the bench right now, those two I really like, and I really like for the website, or maybe they make a design uh, for a commission, and I see them post a picture of it somewhere like Instagram or Facebook, and I'll say that, man, that's a really great design. Maybe you should make a couple more of those, and and uh, I would be interested in them for the website, that kind of a thing. Uh, in, in a lot of in a lot of cases, too, some of these guys um, they're, they're all really great to work with, and I've ended up being able to more or less commission pipes for the website too. You know, like there's there's distinctive styles for all these different carvers around the world, and um, in a, in a lot of ways, I, I feel like it's my job to recognize um, what the market wants from those carvers and to ask the carvers for those specific things, uh, and it's really fun that way too. And I find that. 
Um, in a lot of ways, you know, pipe carving, it is a craft, but there is also an artistic element to it. And I think that a lot of carvers would agree with me that sometimes you get like the equivalent of writer's block, you know, carver's block, and they're not really sure what they want to make next. Hmm. And in those sort of situations, I can, I can say, hey, well, here's a couple things that I'd like to see. And then, you know, they have a batch of those going and maybe they come up with something completely new and I'll say, oh, yeah, I like, I like that, too. And uh, it's just really fun that way, um, being, being really active in the role of, of what we're actually getting from them. So you're kind of you you can kind of turn into their sounding board for what the market may be saying about their stuff or what you may think would work better for them in the market or vice versa. Yeah, I, it, in a, in a lot of ways, I think that's one of my responsibilities to them. I mean, we we have a business relationship with them as their retailer, and um, some sort of guidance and feedback and updates about market trends and those sorts of things is is definitely what I feel they are. Um, entitled to by having a relationship with us. So I think that, that that is probably what I spend most of my time doing uh, as far as letting them know um, what I'd like to see, what I'm, what I'm hearing from customers that customers would like to see. You know, often we put up a particular pipe and it sells really quickly, and then we get a lot of feedback from guys that were like, oh, man, I really loved that. So I, I take mental notes of these things, and I look at our sales records and just sort of watch these trends and try to convey that to the pipe makers so they know what uh, what's working for them and what they're known for, and they can play to those strengths and at the same time still have some room to be creative and have some fun, too. <laughs> see, I watch the updates, and if I see a really cool pipe that I really want on the update and it sells really quick, I'm thankful because then I don't have to figure out how to, <laughs> how to buy it or... Oh, I I've run out of kidneys to donate. Um, I know what you mean. I, the same thing happens to me. Like sometimes I think, oh, please, you know, save me from myself. Just let this pipe sell. Otherwise, <laughs> I'm going to have to make room somewhere. Yeah. All right. So in, in the two or two years that you've been doing this, I, I'm sure there's got to be some memorable pipes that have passed through your way that you wanted, but you didn't, you weren't able to get them. Do you have a, like two of those that you can tell us about? Uh, you know, there's one that sticks out, and, and the thing is, uh, you mentioned before that there's the, the, the smoking pipes rule for employees is that the pipe has to go to the website first, and it has to go to the website for two weeks. And those two weeks can be agonizing. <laughs> uh, and I think it's happened, to, yeah, it's happened to more than one of us that, you know, you, you're sitting there and you're watching the clock, and I, I will actually say that at a certain point, and the guys in the office make fun of me for this sometimes because they'll look at my calendar and say, what is Grachupin Day? What is Sato Day? And I mark my calendar for when these pipes would be available for purchase for me if they last long enough. So it's happened several times that, you know, on the last day or the night before uh, that a pipe will sell, and it's just like, oh, man. And, you know, it's no big deal. There's always something else out there. But there was a, a little compact blasted Scott Klein bent apple that we had a couple years ago, and that was one of those cases where it lasted – you know, 13 and a half days, and I was like, great, tomorrow morning I'm going to come in and get my new pipe, and I, I knew what tobacco I was going to smoke in it, and I was ready to go. And uh, and it sold, like, you know, an hour or two before I had a chance to, to get it, and I was like, okay, that's great. Someone's going to enjoy it, and I'm happy about that. But at the same time, too, I, I, I called Scott immediately and said, okay, I need you to make another one of these because <laughs> I'm not willing to be completely heartbroken here. Um, so that was one of them, and I think uh, there's been there's definitely been – uh, a couple of Sato pipes that have broken my heart, uh, and I'm sure you can relate to that. I mean, it seems uh, like we're sort of battling for the same pipes often. 
I don't know anything about what you're talking about. <laughs> I I know nothing. Um, at the same time, you've also got uh, when when you're at a when you're at a pipe show, one of your jobs is also to go out and look for new pipe makers for the for the website. So, what are you looking for when you see somebody that might be a potential addition? Well, I mean, there's there's a lot of things to consider. Um, uh, I, I think I think first and foremost, stuff has to be eye catching and it has to be interesting. And um, there's a lot of that out there, absolutely. And when I look for stuff to bring on, I'm looking at, you know, overall quality and uh, maybe the price point that it's at. It can either fill a certain price range that maybe we don't have, uh, maybe we have some room in that price range for another another brand or, you know, uh, are these pipes priced appropriately for their quality level, that kind of stuff. But really it's just about, you know, is this a good pipe? And, and I think that uh, part of, Part of what my job is is being sort of a um, divining rod for pipes that give collectors the warm and fuzzies, uh, <laughs> and, and that's just what I do. I just walk around thinking about thinking about what people like, what I know people like, what I myself like, and stuff jumps out at you. And you look at it and you say, "Man, that is great." And you look at the rest of the carver's work and you say, "Man, this guy's got um, a lot of different range. He's making a lot of different styles. His finishing is great. His stems are great." The prices are good, um, and and that's that's usually how you're making those sort of decisions. Like you have these boxes you check off, and uh, the first and most important one is: Are you excited about it as soon as you see the work? Um, and everything else is just sort of details. Um, so that that is generally what I'm looking for: are, are pipes or a body of work from a pipe maker that just makes me want to get one for myself and smoke it and have a relationship with it. And uh, that, that's usually how I, I dive into those sorts of situations. Are you also the one that has to um, let a pipe maker down easily if you guys decide not to pick up their line? Uh, yes, yes. And and I think in those cases, more often than not, it's... Um, another thing, too, is you can have, and I have over the course of these years, you know, you might run into a carver who's fairly new, and you look at their work and you see a lot of promise in it, so it's my job to keep an eye on the development of that carver and, and, and at the same time have a dialogue with them, too. It's not like, oh, I saw you in Chicago two years ago, and now I see you in Chicago and your pipes are better. But in more often than not, I'm having conversations with them that whole time, you know, checking, checking their work, following them on Instagram, following them on Facebook, um, and watching them develop and, and offering advice where I can. And, um, and, and that's usually how that goes. Is there's a lot of talent out there, and uh, you have to – you have to think of it like you're you're a talent scout, and, and you you keep an eye on a lot of people and a lot of different careers and a lot of different bodies of work, and and basically offer them advice when they ask for it. Um, give them give them feedback whenever you have a chance to see the pipes in person, like at a show, yeah. and uh, and kind of go from there. And as soon as they're ready, I, I jump on it. Have you had a pipe maker try to bribe you with like booze, tobacco, women, and pipes to pick up the stuff? No, no, no. I, I think that a, a lot of guys that know me, I, I have plenty of tobacco and plenty of booze. So it's, it's kind of hard to uh, kind of hard to bribe me with that. But no, no. I mean, uh, there's a lot of great guys in this community, and, and everybody's awesome. And it's one of the best things about the community that it is one big family. And and I always ask, you know, customers and collectors that I know, and even other pipe makers, hey, you know, who have you seen? Who have you seen that excites you? And who should I be looking at? And making sure that I that I have people on my radar. 
um, that I, that should be there, you know? So uh, I always kind of have my eyes peeled, and, and, and I will say that, yes, even though I spend all day working in the industry, I still come home and look at pipes on the Internet, and <laughs> most of the people that I follow on social media are pipe makers or pipe collectors, so I don't, I don't think that I could ever really stop doing that. So, so you get paid to do what you voluntarily do at home. Well, yeah, basically, I guess that's I guess that's my darkest secret. That you know, I ended up with a job <laughs> because I spent years being a nerd about something, and <laughs> that was it. I, I mean, it's, you know, Sykes asked me, you know, what do you know about pipes, and what can you what can you do? And I, well, hey, I mean, I've I followed the market for the last ten years pretty closely. Um, and it has been my main hobby and my main interest, and uh, and it ended up it ended up that this was the job where hey, all that useless information or or so it seemed at the time uh, was applicable. All right. So since you followed the market for so long, and now you're in the market, um, have, how do you figure out if something's a fad or a trend or? Uh, you know, what's the new hot shape or is this just a short term thing? How do you how do you figure that out? I mean, how many more bent pokers do we need? <laughs> well, probably plenty. But that's, <laughs> that's the thing. I mean, you, you've, been, you've been in the game long enough to know, too, that like a lot of the stuff is cyclical. So I think yeah. that I'm looking at trends these days based on. I'm more more based on age demographic than anything like you know there's there's a lot of guys that have been collecting pipes for 30 years and they sort of have uh, a thing that they're into and I'm, I'm aware of that and then I start to, to watch these guys who started out maybe just a couple of years ago and like what are they collecting now a few years into it and what will they be collecting maybe a few years from now and I mean all the stuff is cyclical like big pipes will be in for a while and I feel like maybe smaller pipes are sort of in vogue at the moment. Um, and it's, it's, it's anecdotal a little bit, but it seems like a lot of the younger guys, um, they want to smoke, you know, that doesn't last four hours. And uh, they'd rather have a couple of pipes in the same period of time than one giant pipe or something like that. So these things just come and go in waves. And there's always, there's always a new trend. And some of them are universal and lasting. And some of them are, I wouldn't say fleeting, but uh, maybe a little less, less uh, uh, universal and and and, and uh, constant, I guess. But as as collectors and the smokers, we are in a renaissance where there's just a, a ton of different choices of pipe tobacco. There are a ton of different talented carvers, and the strong brands of pipes that have been around forever are just still going strong and coming up with great stuff. And um, and there's always there's always something for everybody. And right now, there's just so much cool stuff going on that. You know, a trend can happen, and then another trend can happen, and then another trend can happen, and then, oh, that first trend is back in style now. And it all happens so quickly. It's like uh, probably fairly close to the fashion world, how quickly stuff in the pipe world changes. Yeah, and thankfully, uh, smokingpipes.com only has, you know, two, 3,000 pipes up on the website at a time, so there might be something to fit every trend in there. Uh, but Yeah, Absolutely. But what what I don't think a lot of people know is that each one of those pipes, before it even gets photographed or measured or anything, goes through an inspection process. Uh, talk us through it, because this will this will trim out. This will explain why there's some requirements in order to have a pipe on smokingpipes.com. 
Oh, sure, sure. Um, so I will say that um, a, a lot of guys probably know this, but if you don't, um, Adam Davidson, the American pipe maker, uh, has worked for smokingpipes.com for a number of years. And uh, because he is a pipe maker, um, he had a lot of insight into uh, the craft, uh, the craft itself. And he, he was instrumental in developing our quality control process. And uh, basically, we're just making sure that pipe functions how it should, uh, that there are no serious structural flaws or anything like that, uh, that the fit and finish are as they should be. And this is this is as much to protect our customers as it is to protect the pipe makers and brands that we represent as well. Um, so basically, when a pipe comes in, you check it over, make sure it's good to go, make sure everything's, everything's right as far as the stamping and staining is what we ordered. And then uh, we check to make sure that the airway is, is constant and uninterrupted, that there are no air leaks, that the pipe functions as it should, that the chamber... Uh, looks clear of any any serious problems that could could come up uh, with briar being such a fickle material to work with, um, and once once it pa- once they pass all of those uh, all of those things, then they can go on to be measured and photographed and, and end up on the site. So before that pipe ever makes it onto the site, it's been uh, it's been touched, talked to, and uh, probed uh, fairly severely. Yeah, absolutely, and that, that is also my department's responsibility to check those pipes before they start entering them. Um, but the, the thing is, I will say this too, it's often that when we get pipes in, like I get a shipment from a pipe maker, and uh, in addition to the, you know, uh, formal quality control, you know, we're, we're always excited to see new pipes. So a lot of times when I get a shipment in, I'm like, oh, great, this is awesome, and I, I put them in a tray, and I, you know, go around the room and everybody wants to see what came in from this certain maker or this certain uh, factory. And we all just look at them for fun. So <laughs> I think we have the, like our formal quality control process and we have our informal one where all of us are just kind of like excited to see what came in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's the, there's the measurement of excitement by the amount of drool. <laughs> yes. Yes. And, and I can promise to all of your listeners that all of the drool is, thoroughly wiped off of the pipes before we photograph and ship them yeah at least twice um all right so you have so you go you see thousands of pipes you've touched tens of thousands of pipes yourself i'm going to give you a, a parameter of a dollar figure and a bit of a situation and then you're going to give us a suggestion of a pipe are you ready all right, I am the guy that has just bought his first basket pipe and figured out that I that I really like pipe smoking, but now it's time to go up. And maybe I'm maybe I'm that 18, 19 year old or I'm in college and I've got say like a 60 to 90 dollar budget. Uh where are you going to point me? What brands should I look at? Um, Sixty to ninety dollar budget. I am absolutely going to point you towards uh, the Roth lines that we have on the website, and a couple of a couple of Savinelli lines as well. I may encourage you to spend a couple bucks more and get yourself like a nice Savinelli spring, uh, which is going to have, in a lot of cases, really fantastic grain and really fantastic briar. Um, a lot of Savinelli's briar is well aged and high quality to begin with. So for for not a lot of cash, you get yourself a hell of a pipe. Um, from some of those, I guess, more entry-level Savinelli lines. Uh, and aside from that, you know, depending on the style, too, you know, do you want a rusty pipe? Do you want a sandblasted pipe, bent or straight? I mean, there, there are a lot of choices. And in a lot of ways, I think that it's more important, especially when you're starting out, 
to buy the pipe that appeals to you uh, visually because you can trust that the pipes on our website are, are good quality and they have been checked and they will perform well for you. So at that point, get something that you're excited about. Get something that looks good. But you can't go wrong with uh, Stabenelli, Peterson, uh, Rock, um, in that price range. Those are, those are the ones that come to my mind. All right. Now I've got about uh, maybe I'm maybe I'm a more seasoned pipe smoker. I've been in the uh, in the mid range of Savinelli and Peterson for years, and I've got about two hundred to three hundred dollars. And I've never tried one of these artisan or handmaids or one of these high grade pipes. Is there a two hundred to three hundred dollar pipeline that you like from one of the artisans? Well, you know, I think I think one of the best values in that price range, especially if you're looking for something that is that is more on the handmade artisanal level, um, uh, we're seeing a resurgence in Sarah Elton pipes, which are made uh, made in Tom Elton's workshop and designed by Tom, and they are just fantastic for that money. Um, you're getting uh, iconic Elton designs and really good quality pipes uh, for not a lot of money, and uh, that that is absolutely where I would point somebody off the top of my head in that price range. And then this is going to be the toughest one, but I'm going to try to help narrow it down for you. I've got uh, <laughs> okay. I got 300 to 500 bucks, and I want to buy myself a special pipe. Uh, maybe I've got maybe I got a thousand bucks, and I want to buy myself two 300 to 500 dollar pipes. I want one that's an American carver, and I want one that's more of a traditional European. Who do you like, and where do you point me? Okay, traditional European um, in that price range. I think that uh, one of my one of my favorites would probably be Claudio Kaziki. Um, fantastic, fantastic buyer and fantastic craftsmanship. Um, I would I would definitely point you in that direction. He's also got a great range of shapes uh, from from pretty traditional classic to the neo classic, uh, neo classical um, more full designs and uh, a lot of different a lot of variety there. Fantastic pipe maker and from the Americans. Um, let me think here. I am, I am usually telling, and, and this is from my personal experience when buying pipes, I'm usually telling guys that if they have their budget, you, you always want to look at maybe stretching your budget a tiny bit to get into something else. So for the American guys, I would definitely say, you know, stretch your budget a little bit and go with uh, a Steve Whiskey, uh, maybe a Bonchalowski or some of the other guys in Nashville, um, uh, Pete Prevost, uh, 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 Michael Redman, Sam Adebayo, um, or even, uh, let's see. Yeah, that, that's why that price range is so tough right now, because there's a lot of really good pipes in that price range. Oh, exactly. And that's why, like, if somebody was asking me that question, you know, I've got uh, three to $500 to spend on an American pipe, I would have to spend probably 15, 20 minutes asking them what they were really looking for. Like, are you looking for bamboo work? In which case, I would point you towards whiskey. Are you looking for something, you know, chubby and compact, maybe with some Bakelite on it? I would put you towards, you know, Michael Redmond or Pete Prevost or Sam. Um, or, you know, depending depending on what you're interested in, uh, uh, there's a lot of choices. That, that's definitely true, and it's always tough. But um, it, it's kind of hard to go wrong in those price ranges, too, because everything that you're going to get, is, is a great value in the sense that so many of these younger carvers have spent a, a good amount of time working with seasoned veterans uh, in pipe carving like Jeff or Todd, uh, Jeff Grayson or Todd Johnson, um, uh, to name a few. So a lot of these guys have the experience and the knowledge and the know-how passed down to them 
from these other guys that have been in the game for a lot longer. So it's really hard to go wrong with any of them, really. All right, and here's the one that I didn't tell you about in advance for you to think about. So are you ready? <laughs> yeah. The clouds have opened up from above, and there's a bright ray of sunshine, and it is the pipe gods telling you that you, Shane Ireland, can pick out two pipes, one for two pipes, one from one pipe maker, one from another, but they must be pipe makers that are currently making pipes. So no, you can't go back to I want one that was handmade by Alfred Dunhill himself. It has to be somebody oh, sure. who's making a pipe currently. You get two pipes, but they have to be from different pipe makers. What are the gods going to give you? Oh, man. <laughs> got some, maybe, maybe you have some Jeopardy music you can play in the background while I think about this. <laughs> yes, or, uh, or I could sing and uh, yeah, do that. Please. whisper a little me. bit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or everybody could tamp and relight right now while uh, while you're thinking, but... I knew this one would hurt. This one does hurt, and and I gotta say that my my answer here, and I, I know I know that this is gonna open up a whole other can of worms between you and I, but one of them would have to be a Smeo Sato, yeah, a very particular one, and uh, I would want I would want something smooth with bamboo and with Swishu on it, and uh, the other. See, this is the fun oh part. <laughs> oh my gosh, it is, it is. Never have I tortured a guest on the show so much as this. I've only oh, tortured man, the yeah. audience this much. <laughs> oh man, I'm, I'm certainly glad that I decided to pour myself a glass of whiskey before we started this. Mm, <laughs> let's see. Yep. It, it, it's really hard because I have... It's like, what do, you, what do you get the person who has everything? And, and even in my little fantasy here, I'm thinking about all the great stuff that I have, and it's like, well, you know, I'd love another Jay Allen. I'd love another Scott Klein. I'd love another Brad Coleman. Um, I'd love another Tom Elping all the time. Let's see. Sacco is definitely one of them because I love, I love his pipes. And uh, the other, I think I would probably, you know, I'd probably pick Cornelius Mann's, actually. There you go, a guy from a whole other continent. Absolutely. All right, now that I've now that I've tortured you so much with that, um, <laughs> I've been enjoying all the uh, little uh, I don't know video blogs that you've been doing and the interviews that you've done with pipe makers and stuff like that. Are there uh, are there any favorite uh, favorite blogs of yours that you want to point people towards? Um. Favorite blogs of mine that I want to point people towards. You know, I really enjoyed my interview, uh, both of my interviews with the factory managers for uh, Savinelli and Peterson. Uh, Louisa from Savinelli, it was a pleasure to talk to. She's been at the company forever and had a lot of insight and uh, taught me a lot about the brand and about Italian pipe making in general. And uh, also Tony from Peterson, same thing. He's been at the company forever and just just a wealth of knowledge. And it was such a such a good time chatting with him about the history of the company and the history of the factory, all the stuff that hasn't changed, which is what I find most interesting. They, so many things that they still do the same way. Um, <laughs> and, and likewise, the, the video the video that I did for um, uh, a Peterson spigot pipe being made from start to finish I think is really interesting. Uh, but I also enjoy interviewing all the pine makers that I've interviewed. Um, I enjoyed interviewing uh, Sato. 
Um, I've interviewed um, uh, Brad Pullman. That was a lot of fun. Uh, Vladimir Vichukin on several occasions. Uh, and he is just a really great guy and totally, totally unique in the pipe world in, in both the sense of his aesthetic being unique and his experience and uh, how many people he's worked with at this point. Um, everybody from Tokotomi to former to El Tang to Jeff Grasick. Uh, that was a lot of fun, too. I definitely, definitely recommend checking out the Gertrude interview as well. Shane, we will uh, wrap this up because uh, well, I was having so much fun. I just realized we've, we've gone almost an hour already. Um, we will wrap oh, yeah. this up with the Fast Five final questions. No right answer, no wrong answer. Just whatever comes to your mind. Are you ready? Sure. All right. What is your favorite pipe? It has to be one you own now, not one that the pipe gods are giving you. <laughs> My favorite pipe. Um, Brad Pullman's sandblasted Ben Dublin with uh, stellar tea cow uh, bone on the shank. And what is your favorite tobacco? My favorite tobacco? Oh, God, it changes all the time. Um, <laughs> all right. This... I probably smoke more. My favorite tobacco is McConnell Scottish Flake. <laughs> What's your favorite drink? Uh, Laphroaig of any variety. <laughs> Uh, when it's time to relax, do you prefer a book, a movie, or music? And notice I did not say anything about surfing the internet and looking at pictures of pipes. <laughs> uh, a, a book, a movie, or I'm sorry, a book, a movie, or music? Yep. Um, absolutely music. And, let's see if we can squeeze this in. Um, do you have a particularly favorite pipe smoking related memory that we haven't talked about yet? Uh, yes, I, I do, and and uh, and it's one that I've I've only shared I think with maybe two other people. One of them being Sykes, and one of them being Jeremy Reeves with Cornell and Beale. Um, <laughs> there was a particular pipe, and it goes back to the waiting two weeks for a pipe kind of a thing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, when I was still in customer service, when I was still in customer service, you know, you work Saturday sometimes, and um, and we rotate the Saturday shifts, and uh, there was a particular Sato pipe that I really love, and I was waiting for it to go to the website for months. And when it finally went to the website, of course, I had to wait two additional two additional weeks before I, I could buy it for myself. And, you know, I had told myself, and I had sort of begged the pipe gods, like, let, let this one be mine. <laughs> and for the month leading up to that point, before it actually hit the website, every time that I would work Saturday by myself, I would go into the pipe library and get the pipe and take it out of its sock, and, and sit it on top of its sock on my desk, and I would spend my whole day working and go to the kitchen and get a coffee and answer some emails and, you know, place some tobacco orders for customers. And the whole time, I would spend my day sort of just being in the presence of this little Sato pipe. And, uh, and, and it was, I, I, I don't know, in a lot of ways, I felt so weird about it and kind of ashamed even. And uh, once it finally became mine, I, I was comfortable enough admitting this to Sykes and Jeremy. And, uh, and, and that sort of it stuck with me that that I, you can have such a connection to an object or a tool, uh, and I think pipes are just in, in a way it's one of the one of the easiest things to to have a real connection with emotionally, and uh, and I have done it over and over and over again. And when I look back on that moment of waiting months for this one pipe to be mine and spending secret time with it. No one else was in the <laughs> office. Uh, you know, it's, it's crazy, but it made me realize how much these, how much these objects mean to me and mean to so many people. Shane, all I can say is you have a special kind of sickness that I truly love and admire. 
<laughs> right back at you. You can uh, reach out to Shane through smokingpipes.com. There's links to email him, ask him questions, pick up the phone on the toll-free. You might actually catch him. Shane, thank you very much for spending uh, International Pipe Smoking Day with us. Absolutely. And remember, everybody, go ahead and treat, go ahead and treat every day like it's International Pipe Smoking Day. That's what I try to do. <laughs> And uh, Shane and I are going to talk about those Sato's over the commercial break. But in the meantime, we'll be back in just a minute. I'm Jeremy Reeves, head blender of Cornell and Deal Pipe Tobacco Company. Since 1990, Cornell and Deal has been producing high quality pipe tobacco, expertly blended by hand using time honored methods, unique recipes, and no small amount of innovation. One example of such innovation is our bestseller, Autumn Evening. We start with whole leaf red Virginia and strip the stems by hand. The tobacco is then cut into ribbons and cooked for two days according to our unique recipe to create our special red Virginia Cavendish. Then we infuse the tobacco while it's still hot with our secret flavoring to achieve the sublime sweetness, deep flavor and delightful aroma that makes Autumn Evening so well loved by our loyal customers and everyone around them as they enjoy this very special blend. Cornell and Deal Pipe Tobacco Company. It's a labor of love. Contact your local or online retailer for information. This is Internet Radio. Welcome back. Uh, so if I, I got an idea. While I was, uh, after, while we were doing that last commercial, got an idea here. Um, if I'm going to be, so next week's show is pre-recorded, so this gives you about uh, two weeks. And what I'd like you to do is, if you've got questions for Shane, email them to me, brian at pipesmagazine.com, or post them on the radio show page on pipesmagazine.com. I'll get the questions over to him. He'll email me back answers. So let's see if we can uh, let's see if we can stump him. Let's see if you've got any questions that I didn't cover. Let's try to uh, let's try to keep Shane busy with some answers. So do that for me. All right, um, running way long, but that was a lot of fun. Um, so for music, we're going all the way back to the stereocratic parties. Uh, I smoke a pipe just to celebrate on International Pipe Smoking Day. So here it is.
smoke a pipe. artist behind the Stereocratic Party is a guy named Ray Keynes. I'm probably mispronouncing it. It's K-A-I-N-Z. And I found a little interview of him where he, where he was asking, where did he come up with those lyrics? He said, well, he smokes a pipe. So uh, look up Ray, K-A-I-N-Z, on uh, Ray Keynes Music on Facebook. Give him a like and a follow or any of that stuff. All right, before we get to uh, rant time... We'll have a little bit of fun here picking on ourselves, pipe smokers, because we all smoke a pipe. If you only handhold so the stem won't have teeth marks, you might be a pipe collector. If you can remember every model and date of purchase but can't remember your wife and kids' birthdays, you might be a pipe collector. If it's too cold to check the mail or take out the trash, but you'll gladly sit on the porch for an hour to break in new briar, you might be a pot collector. If the only house cleaning you do is dusting your pipe collection, you might be a pot collector. If you put off dental work to buy more pipes, you might be a pot collector. Cowboy. Cowboy. International Pipe Smoking Day 2017 is a perfect time for me to remind you, my fellow pipe smokers, of a few things. Um, one, if you've never been to a pipe show, make sure and get to a pipe show this year. You can go to pipesmagazine.com, look under events, and you can find one near you. There's a couple even in Europe. 
too. If you're not part of a pipe club, try to find one, try to form one. It's very simple, even like my little local club. Great group great group of guys that I met up with yesterday. Uh, seven, eight of us sitting around a table at a smoke shop. That's all a pipe club has to be. Once a month you get together, you hang out, you share tobaccos, you talk, you show off pipes. That's a pipe club. If you're not part of one, form one, start one, find somebody near you. Uh, three, support all the local medias. Uh, when I mean local medias, I mean share the Pipes Magazine radio show. Country Squire Radio, check them out. If you're not following and listening to the podcast or their live broadcast, you need to follow them. Uh, Pipes and Tobacco's Magazine and the NASPC and their Pipe Collector. If you don't have a subscription to those fine printed publications, you're missing out on a whole bunch of great reading. You need to do that. Uh, Make sure and support your local brick and mortars. Yeah, go in there, even if it's just buying a pack of pipe cleaners or a tin of tobacco or something. Get in there, support your local brick and mortars that uh, do give you a place to go and smoke. And no matter how big their pipe and tobacco selection is, support them. It's the only way it's going to get bigger. Uh, Support the show's sponsors. Hey, it's the sponsors of this show, past and present, that have kept this show on the air, kept all of our archives open and free to the public. And finally, my last request on International Pipe Smoking Day is make sure and get out in public and smoke your pipe where you can. When the weather permits, get out there, sit on a bench, smoke your pipe, let people see what a current 2017 pipe smoker looks like. Let them know that we are not the uh, dirty tobacco mavens that everybody thinks we are. Get out there in public, smoke your pipe, and let people see what a pipe smoker looks like nowadays. Uh, finally, next week's show, uh, once again pre-recorded because I'm at Disney World and uh, going to be back to the normal format, but I've got a great article from Slate Magazine, uh, or from the Slate to read to you about secondhand smoke. Got a great interview with Bill Shalosky. We'll cu- catch up on mailbag and music and all that stuff. Same as always. Hope you all enjoyed this uh, special little deviation for International Pipe Smoking Day. And especially a really big thank you to all of you who are part of this pipe community. It's a great bunch of people to be with and a great bunch of people to call my friends and my brothers. So with all that, thank you very much to uh, Shane Ireland for joining me. Again, thank you all for tuning in. And until next time. Who cares about the clouds when we're together? Just sing a song and think about sunny weather. Happy trails to the bum ba dee da 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 bum